Michelle Colombi on a mission expanding our knowledge and understanding of the human nervous system. So that was the launch of my third space shuttle mission, the mission I commanded. SPS-90 was the number. It was on Space Shuttle Columbia. That's Colonel Rick Searfoss, veteran NASA astronaut, who piloted the space shuttle Columbia that launched on October 18, 1993, at the Kennedy Space Center, Florida. Searfoss wowed the young Māori students at the launch of Pūhoro, the Māori Science Academy, in Palmerston North. What did you take away from today? I took so much away, um, like, to work hard, um, dream big, never give up on your dreams, and um, just always work hard, stay focused. It was exciting. I learned some new things today and it just got some inspiration from it. What, what new things did you learn? Um, I learned about the experiments they did and it was quite interesting about the NASA speech. You know, quite often a lot of those types of things happen and it doesn't quite make it down to the students and I think today's event, today's launch um, has provide us, provided us a focus it's not all about our sponsors, it's not all about our supporters, it's about our tauira because at the end of the day uh, they're the ones you know, that will, that will be um, steering our future. 80 students from five schools in the Manawatu region and Murupara Area School will work closely with Massey University to foster STEM subjects, that's science, technology, engineering and mathematics from year 11. E aku nui, e aku rahi, kua huri mai ki tēnei mamo hōtaka o te ahikā, no mai hoki mai, ko Justin Murray ahau. Dr. Selwyn Kartene is the Assistant Vice-Chancellor for Māori and Pacifica at Massey University. He says the Academy is a good way to encourage more Māori to take up a career in the sciences. Food technologists and scientists and food ag- agribusiness people, uh, nutritionists, uh, um, engineers, uh, technologists, and things like that. We need, uh, we have many, but we need more. And the best way to do it is to do it in an organised fashion, by providing academic support and uh, mentoring and counselling and field visits uh, to our rangatahi, um, in the form of uh, working with half a dozen schools, six schools. Mm. They recruit about 15 students each, so we have about 80 students that we um, support through those crucial years um, and to assist them with the NCA level 1, 2, 3 um, exam to prepare them for that. So when they come to university, it's a natural transition. You know, if it works here in Palmerston North and we look at developing a regional academy and then perhaps going national where we have a wide range of interested people, of you know, university uh, professors and lecturers working with science teachers in the schools and um, enabling our students to look at science as something that's a bit more than white lab coats and metabolic tables and Bunsen burners and something which is, is natural, you know, like going to visit the Moonga and going out to an estuary and uh, you know, just, just, just doing normal things. Um, which uh, we think is normal, but it's actually science. What's the involvement of Murupara School? Because I, I did, were they involved in some way? We've got uh, Murupara School, which is under new statutory management, and their their uh, principal is someone who has a very strong uh, science background, and uh, they requested support from us, and uh, we looked at our heart is with uh, you know those schools. 
and uh, that are struggling, uh, but whose students are very interested in science. And with that sort of support, you know, from the school, um, augmented with support from Fano, then you know you've got a good likelihood of a success. But what we're finding is that it's, we're not just talking about 80 students. You know, you're talking about 80 Fano because uh, it has to be supported by Fano like it has never been before. If you're going to get students through, which isn't an easy discipline, science, yes. um, then it needs to have parents who uh, au fait with what science is so that the student's um, education isn't undone unintentionally at home. Uh, so what we are looking at doing is having sessions for parents and whānau. We're involving whānau. Uh, as well as um, as uh, industry, as well as uh, government departments, local government, iwi, in this broad church approach, so that it's a community, it's come from the community, it's driven by the community, um, everyone's working together, and at the end of the day, when the students are educated and they receive their degrees, they come back to the community. Manavotia, lovely to get him, um, who's the ambassador of, um, of Puhuru involved in this kaupapa? He's someone that uh, everyone is, is delighted to see um, because he's someone that um, we, that can role model, you know, the right behaviours and attitudes. Someone who has sought knowledge, sought a good education, who's learnt as much as he could. And um, in his case, he wants to be the first New Zealand astronaut. And he's Māori. And uh, he's doing it through sheer hard work, big dreams, and he's uh, realising his goal. He's well on the way to towards becoming an astronaut. And I think it'll provide uh, the necessary impetus, I think, for a lot of our Māori kids, wherever they are, whether it be Murupara or Foxton or Fielding, Taihape or whatever, gives them the opportunity, well, if, if Mana can do it, well, then why can't I? And they can do it with the necessary support from whānau, from community, from the schools, from the universities, industry and everyone getting in behind. Fielding High School, you hear Fielding High School? Yeah. Hatsupora, my brothers. Manukura, Kekunea Manukura, Dinakuta. Palmerston North Boys High School. Alright. I remember Palmerston North Boys High School coming to Gisborne Boys High School in 1991 and beating us at rugby. Never ever happened again. Te kura o kofata. Tēnā koutou. And this is the one that excites me. Murupara Area School. Yeah. yeah. Too much. I'd like a job as a mechanical engineer or pretty much anything in the building and construction industry. In the future, I'd like to pursue a career as a doctor because the health statistics of Maori aren't very flattering, so I'd like to be part of the solutions to this problem. My name's Kahiro Brown, I live in Wellington and I'm from Wairo and Opotiki, Maiwea, Ngatikahungunu, Ngatipuro. I'm a boarder, yeah, and I'm a fifth form student. Why Puhoro? What, what makes you interested in the sciences? I'm really interested about it because I'm. I feel that it can help me throughout my life and um, give me the tools that I need to do well in life, um, to do well in school, to do well in university, and it can really produce some good Māori leaders. So what did you take away from the Kōrero by Mana and um, Colonel Rick Searfoss? What did you take away from today? I took so much away, um, like 
to work hard, um, dream big, never give up on your dreams and um, just always work hard, stay focused and um, yeah, pursue your dreams. So how will this work? Um, once a week uh, someone from the academy comes and uh, they have a quarter with us, they help us through our work and see how we're going, they do uh, regular checks on us to make sure we're on the right path. So by the time we finish, we'll be prepared for life after school. In terms of Hatsopolda's other activities like te reo, performing arts, how do they meld together in terms of what you're doing here? Everything they, we do at school is linked and they all help each other. There are building blocks that all work to, towards the big picture and um, in the long run, we finish school and we're as good as many aspects of life as we can. So it's, we're not just good at one thing, we're... They try and produce all-round leaders, so we're, we're good at sports, so that we come out of school good at kapahaka, proud Māoris, uh, and educated, well-educated. Mm. Tell us about a typical day at Hatsopolda. Um, typical day, we wake up early in the morning, breakfast, uh, we have a karakia, and then uh, we get straight into school, a hard day of work, um, learning heaps, and then after school we do afternoon activities and then um, have dinner and then we have uh, two hours study every day um, and, and then off to bed, rest up for another day of learning and yeah. How long have you been at Hatsopaura? Uh, I've been there for two years and this year will be my third year and I just love it, I've learned so much and um, just being in the month or two, um, opportunities like this pop up and you just have to take them. Ko Timothy Brown tōku ingoa, no te wairua, nā ko ōku iwi a Ngāti Kahungunu ki te wairua, Ngāti Ruapani, Rongo Whakata, a te iwi mori ori hoki. Kia ora, kia ora rawatū. 80 students means 80 whānau are supporting this kaupapa. Um, obviously, you're one of them. The idea of just opening the door to opportunities, which I think is fantastic, um, and, and presenting those opportunities, presenting it in a way that's just more appealing to these guys, there was the analogy of um, the stereotypical um, science um, person, student, um, and how, you know, that's not necessarily um, how it should be. It's not limited in that way. You know, there, is, there are heaps of other opportunities, ways to experience and explore in um, the world of science, which I think is important for these guys. What does the science curriculum look like at Hatsopolda as it was before Puhoro? Um, strong, strong uh, curriculum, um, and that'll continue to continue to happen. I, again, I think what this what this offers is just a, another few doors um, to open um, opportunities. Um, we touched on before the whole Fanongatanga thing. Um, that's that's paramount as far as, um, and especially in the case of Hatopada, where they're sort of out in fielding. So there's not too much contact with um, other schools, um, but you know this whole networking, um, small groups of students from different schools being able to um, talk, discuss about um, science-related topics, dreams, aspirations they may have, uh, more relationships gained, which will be paramount when they actually sort of leave school. It's a new world. It's a completely well, new world and different world once you leave school. So for them to have um, stronger friendships um, in place and Again, as was mentioned today, more far no support behind them as well. I think it'll be really, really mm. beneficial. Um, uh, my name is Adam Yanti. Yeah, and where do you hail from? 
Um, Are you from Murupara? Oh, no, I was born in America, but I was raised in New Zealand. I was born in Blackfoot, Idaho. Oh, wow, cool. And kia ora. Oh, kia ora. What's your name? Oh, Tuwauri Kihunia. And where, where are you from? Uh, Rua Tāhuna, but yeah, I just live in Murupara. Um, it was exciting, I learned some new things today. Yeah. And it just got some inspiration from it. What, what new things did you learn? Um, I learned about the experiments they did, yeah. and it was quite interesting about the NASA speech. Yeah, yeah. What's okay. and what about And what about you? What did you think of this launch today? Oh, yeah, it was, it was all right. It was different. Has science been a part of your lives? Have you studied it in your times at school? To be honest, no. Um, not really, but I'm excited to start learning about science now. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, teacher. Um, I want to go into business and computer programming. What are the cool things? Uh, tell us about Muruparu, people who don't know about the town. Oh, Muruparu is, is a great place to hang out. And uh, yeah, heaps of nice people in just a small town, lots of nature. <laughs> what did you think about Manavotia and um, Colonel Rick Seaforth? It was cool. Um, like, it was just weird how you're looking at someone that's been in space. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Oh, um, yeah, just awesome just to see those two people. I just spoke to Arama and Te Wauriki, two students from Rupara Area School, and I'm here with their science teacher. Hello. Hello. So this must be an exciting day for you. It's been an amazing day, actually. It's been a very early start, but yes. the kids are really excited about the, the possibilities that it opened up for them. So today we had the launch of the Māori Academy uh, called Puhoro, and how many students from Rupara uh, area school will be attending the academy or be involved in the academy? We've got eight this year um, but we are looking at hopefully expanding that next year. What opportunities does this present do you think for Māori students? Based on what I've seen with them and worked with them in the short time that I've been there and how excited they are, it wouldn't surprise me if the majority of them took science all the way through to year 13 and then went into some form of, some form of further training. Yep, they they're all excited about science. Now I heard that, I um, know oh you wouldn't have been there, but Mana Vortia in the past has done Skype sessions to Murupara Area School. Um, no doubt the academy may do this with the school, given the, the, just the, the sheer distance that it is from Palmerston North. How will that work? Um, we have um, a brand new building that we're in at the moment, and so we have spaces that are set up specifically for uh, Skype conferences so that the students can contact um, outside experts with, with their learning. Assistant Principal and Science Teacher at Murupara Area School, Nicola Turner. He could be the first Māori in space, but before realising his dreams manavotia nō tū haurangi ngāti kahunganu, knuckled down and worked hard. The various jobs I have had over the years are diverse in type and many in number. My list dates back right back to my first job out of high school when I did my stint putting together two all beef packed special sauce with lettuce, cheese, and lasagna on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> yes, working at McDonald's helped me pay my way through university. So I was uh, born in Auckland and um, moved around a couple different uh, suburbs in Auckland before my family moved to Hong Kong uh, when I was about four. Uh, Dad took a job um, in uh, Hong Kong, so we stayed there for, uh, I was there for about 10 years, 
And then um, my family stayed on in Hong Kong, and I moved back to New Zealand to attend boarding school in Auckland. So I finished up high school there. Uh, during my time um, in high school, my family moved back to New Zealand, um, back to Auckland. So I grew up essentially in, in Auckland, and, and Hong Kong split um, evenly between the two. How did you retain or maintain that cultural heritage or identity? Well, you know, my parents um, certainly helped uh, while we were living in, in Hong Kong to be sure to let us know where we're from and, and who we are and what our heritage is, what our culture is. And then um, with Dad's work being in the airline industry, we were able to come home and, and visit pretty often. And uh, fr right from as far back as I can remember as a as very young boy, I could always identify, especially with a haka, with the culture in general, but you know, just like any Māori, young Māori boy, just you get the haka and you just you just get going. Before I moved to the U.S. to complete my tertiary education, I worked hard and saved hard for a full year, taking on many different jobs, including door-to-door -door sales, bus driver, truck driver for main freight, cargo clerk for a New Zealand cargo and a short spell on the back of a rubbish truck. After I made it to the US and was able to obtain a work permit, my job titles and descriptions included mowing lawns, custodian, member of a roofing crew, painter, and eventually teaching assistant and research assistant. As far back as I can remember, and, and my family will tell me the same thing, uh, right from I don't know, probably when I was back in nappies. I <laughs> just looked up at the night sky and just uh, wanted to to know more about it, wanted to to go out there and explore it. And so growing up in New Zealand, I had no idea how that might ever be possible. After um, I graduated high school, did a year at Auckland University, uh, went on a two-year mission for my church, came back, worked for another year to save up money, and then applied to attend university in the United States. I was accepted at Brigham Young University in Utah and um, began a physics astronomy bachelor's degree. And it wasn't really until that point that I started to get a little inkling of the pathway that might be possible. Um, and then after I was getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's degree and looking at graduate school programs. I just started to learn about more opportunities and it just kind of one step after the other, not really knowing um, what the path looked like too far ahead, but just one step at a time. Um, well, halfway through my graduate degree, my advisor uh, had a friend of his contacted him about an internship down in Houston with an aerospace company and um, I was able to take advantage of that opportunity. Spent a summer in Houston working on a, a project for this company and um, after I graduated they took me back full time and just kind of went from there. And you've been there ever since? 2008 in Houston and 2002 in the United States. So my current job is with a team that does a lot of integration work with the International Space Station. So there's a lot of different subsystems 
on the space station. You know, they have the electrical power systems, the thermal control systems, guidance, navigation control, environmental control and life support systems, um, visiting vehicles that bring cargo and crew to the space station, and all these different subsystems, you need to make sure that um, they're integrating with one another right, yeah. um, safely and efficiently. And so my team helps with that integration work and specifically my role on the team is to work with commercial crew vehicle integration and Russian module integration. So basic, I like the way I like to put it is we help all the different systems on the space station play together nicely. There must be a lot of um, trial and error in your job. Is there a lot of testing? You know, o over the years there's definitely been a lot of, a lot of trial and error. Um, you have the you have the occasional failure, and you you learn from it, and and press on. Mm. Um, tell us about your involvement with Puhoro. Uh Right back from when uh, they con first contacted me last year, it was. And they's Messi University. Correct. Yep. It was it was like almost a dream come true. You know, it was just a fantastic opportunity. Uh, it is a privilege for me to be part of this opportunity and what a fantastic initiative for the rangatahi, for them to be able to achieve their dreams. Puhoro, the academy, is focused on STEM, the STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering and math. Um, so all of those uh, very much interdisciplinary related subjects. Yeah, and no doubt, you know, many of our Māori kids um, may have some, I don't know, challenges to overcome. You've been right there. You've had some challenges. Um, I read about you having um, a very young family, managing study in the States. How did you overcome your challenges? Yeah, that was after I graduated with my bachelor's degree in Utah and we're driving across to Alabama to start grad school. And I think our Auburn. In Aub yep, Auburn, Alabama. And... Our oldest was about a year old at the time, and we kind of just put all our worldly possessions in the back of a trailer and hooked it up to the back of the car and, and took off cross country. We kind of had a tent and camped some nights, and uh, wow. some nights we kind of split between camping and, and a motel along the way. And I had no idea how I was going to pay for my education for mm. grad school, and um, we just we just took off and uh, the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. How's the astronaut aspirations <laughs> coming, coming along? Oh, they're still coming. As uh, Māori in space. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. We, um, NASA opened up another round of astronaut applications and they close February 18th. So, yeah, I'll throw my name in the hat and um, the selection process is it's about a year and a half long, so they go through about five different stages. Um, the initial stages uh, um, kind of based on, on your ap actual ap application. And then uh, if you get through the first couple of cuts, then they bring you in for several rounds of interviews. And um, the final announcement for the next group is expected about probably spring, summer, um, which is our winter. Which oh. is, yeah, yes. autumn, winter oh, yeah. In, the, in New Zealand, but next year. So, 
So every time applications come up, is it, is it on an annual basis with NASA, or do you...? Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> um, these days, the last, the last uh, intake, um, they opened um, in 2012 and were selected in 2013. So about four years um, at the moment. Through the, through the 90s, there was a lot more um, activity, a lot more missions. So they were selecting probably every about every two years uh, during that time. And now it's every four. Yeah. So a um, little bit uh, That less would make it hard, wouldn't it? Because it's like you're ageing every four years, all the application process happens. Absolutely. And, I mean, you have uh, a young, I mean, a family, so reaching for the stars, obviously, that dream you've never let go of. Yeah, so one of the things that the Astronaut Selection Committee always talk about is you don't want to let the astronaut application um, control your life. So don't go out and do things just because you think it'll look good on your resume and help you become an astronaut. Go out and do things that you enjoy, do things that you love, something that you'll, that'll make you happy and be real good at it. Become the best at it. And doing that is going to help not only in your astronaut application, but just in your life in general. You'll be happy doing something that you enjoy rather than something that you might not be so happy about but think it'll look good on your resume. So have you seen in a rocket launch? A lot of us that work in the space industry um, uh, at various NASA centres spread throughout the country um, might never see an actual rocket launch. The primary launch facility for NASA is in Florida at Cape Canaveral and Kennedy Space Center and with centers in spread across California, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Maryland, it may not be necessarily common for um, the people that work at those centers to, to ever see a rocket launch. I um, have been lucky, I was lucky enough to uh, watch two space shuttle launches and the experience was just phenomenal. With a space shuttle launch, the um, closest you can anyone can get uh, is three miles, about five kilometers away from the actual launch pad. Right. And that's um, if you have special access or, or special permission to get that close. Uh, most people are 10, 15 kilometers away from the actual launch pad. Um, I was lucky enough to be one of the people that got to uh, watch it from about five kilometers away. And the question or the part about the, the wearing the glasses, it's hard to describe just how bright the flame is from the solid rocket boosters um, as the space shuttle um, ascends. It really is so bright that if you were to just look at the, the flame, um, you'd end up with a bright spot um, in your eye for, for a little while afterward. Um, so you kind of look at it a little bit, glance away, look back, look away, or just try not to definitely try not to focus on the, the flame, on the plume. And then the other part that really strikes me, and I, I think everyone that that's saw a space shuttle launch, is the um, sound from the solid rocket boosters. And but both the the intensity of the light and the sound, uh, you you just cannot capture 
um, in a video or a photo or a movie or a movie. It's just one of those, you know, certain things in life you just have to experience in person, and the intensity of the sound, um, even from five k's away. Yeah, you you can literally feel it. It's um, kind of a sound, and you just feel the sound waves hitting your body. And even from five kilometers away, it's it sets off car alarms, and um, yeah, it's it's pretty intense. Very satisfying for myself personally, but uh, hopefully um, for them, seeing somebody who has roots in their position. Um, going out and and having big dreams and working hard and 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 making it uh can motivate them to dream big themselves and realize that no dream is too big they can achieve whatever they put their mind to it if they if they work hard study hard and I think on that note, um, aerospace engineer Mana Vautier, thank you so much for your time. Yep. Kia ora. Kia ora. Puhoro is a pilot program, and if it's successful, there are aspirations to roll it out to other high schools. Academy Navigator, or Kaihotu Leland Rufiu, explains how the academy will work. Messi University is, let's say, the, the tertiary... Yeah input into this program. Uh, we've got uh, Tipuni Kokiri, we've got NZQA, we've got um, the Palmerston North City Council. Te Tumu Pairua? Aye, Te Tumu Pairua. Um, all, we've, we've all sort of collaborated um, to produce what we think is um, going to help these students a very unique position to be able to be the tertiary provider um, as Messi University. How would you measure the success of this academy? You know, for us that would be to have each of our tawira, each of our kaihoe come to the end of their high school year 13 year, have a big grin on their face after NCA exams and then receive that, um, you know, the clicking refresh in January trying to find out what their results are and to have university entrance, to have the credits required to do the subjects they want to do at university. That will be this, the, the mark of success for us. But it shouldn't stop there. And, um, you know, I guess you'll hear more about this later when we get to that third uh, sort of third, third year of the programme. But um, we're very keen to make sure that the tertiary transition and also transition into work is also built into this programme.